Greetings and welcome to the Trauma and Social Work Podcast. Thank you for listening to Season 2. You are listening to Tanya Octave, Licensed Clinical Social Worker. My goal is to provide education, resources, suggested practices, and understand more about the aspects of trauma and social work. This podcast is for you because we are all impacted by trauma. I am your host. Go grab your notepad, pen, or pencil, a warm cup of tea, and let's get down to business. This season is to focus on the voices of others impacted by trauma. Although I may speak on behalf of others with their permission, this is still their voice. You will hear from social workers, parents, families, children, teenagers, clinicians, and just so much more. You will hear from all people, regardless of their heritage, ethnic background, gender or sexuality, identification, social economic status, and much more. Let's take a deep, profound listening to all voices. podcast is not intended for medical, psychological, mental health, or legal advice. You should seek out a professional for individual and specific questions regarding your overall wellness. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room. The last two weeks, we were able to hear a little bit about the mother-daughter relationship. This week, I wanted to focus on tangible things that we can do to improve the mother-daughter interactions from a clinician's perspective. The goal in our relationships is to move towards a secure attachment. As infants are brought into the world, they form attachments with significant people in their life. If I look beyond the traditional American beliefs about attachment, they are also beginning attachments to their relationships with food, social interests, values, judgments about themselves. They slowly perceive themselves within their environment, culture, and family-like systems. The goal both in infancy and throughout life should rely on one's ability to attach to others in relationships securely. It must be essential for a parent to think about this in terms of their parenting. Parents should ask themselves, what can I do differently to provide a sense of safety for my child? What can I do consistently to be available? How do I understand my child's underlying needs? The stuff that is not on the surface, but the stuff under deeper within my child. As a securely attached caregiver, I need to be emotionally available, respond appropriately, and regulate both my positive and negative emotions. A mother has some additional areas of focus as she historically can still be bound by the social rules and judgments about her role. The mother is expected to be nurturing, loving, compassionate, a good cook, to work hard in and out of the home. 
there are expectations from others and the expectations that we put on ourselves. Like the Wonder Woman syndrome. I am great. I can do all things. I don't need to ask for help. I can do it by myself. A mom must explore these reflections about her role. What things can I let go about my role as a mom? How can I appreciate myself as a woman and my daughter who is coming into understanding her own role as a woman in this world? What things can I change in my life to be more satisfied with who and what I believe I am? These explorations are just a start, but we as mothers must begin to self-evaluate as part of our self-care and to also understand our own deep traumas and unresolved issues. As a daughter, you are allowed to engage in these reflections with a different set of rules. Some of this depends on where you are developmentally. If you are a young child, your dependences on your mother is essential. All children need to have a consistent, dependable, reliable, safe, and loving parent. This is the foundation of a secure attachment. Remember, it is the perception that a parent is good enough. I will give a personal account of this when I was young. From as young as I could remember, I really never liked eating the food options provided to me by my mother and father. I didn't like the taste, the texture, or even the pain that I believe animals endured to even make it to the plate. This got me into a lot of trouble as a child. I got punished, I got hit, I got yelled at, and I was dismissed, especially when I refused to eat. Now, in other forms of attachment, there are a few things that I could possibly believe. My parents truly didn't understand the underlying issues with me in these moments. I could perceive the situation as my parents not caring, um, that they don't understand, and on some deeper level that I was even different. I wasn't like other people. So if this belief continues to develop, I could formulate the thought that if I complied, I was liked. And if I disagreed, I was not good enough, got on punishment, and there was something innately wrong about me. In a secure attachment, I would believe something different, that I was capable of making different choices from others. My choices in food were representations of me wanting to be healthy, and maybe others struggling with their own health. Another thought may be, me eating different from others made me special. So you see, a child can have an experience. It is about how they perceive this experience and how it is influenced and supported and encouraged by their parent, which will support them moving towards a secure attachment. How can a parent support a secure attachment in a situation like this? My mom provided me options to include 
concerns about me not getting enough protein in my diet. She spent time allowing me to cook in the kitchen with her. And this was fun. She gave me choices about what I could cook. I had the freedom to make choices about what I ate when we were maybe going for fast food or eating in a restaurant. Food is not a punishment. If you don't eat all your food, then you can't play outside. Avoid shaming. You must eat what I make because hundreds of children are starving in other parts of the world. Avoid threats. If you don't eat, you will starve and then there'll be nothing left. It is not just what my mom said or did during these moments. It was that she was consistent. I knew if she cooked something in particular, fried liver, I had to eat it. No exceptions. So I found a way. And then there was flexibility with other food choices. This did not destroy my attachment. My mom was dependable. I trusted her and she knew how to keep me safe. And food for her was her way of keeping me healthy. She was reliable. Her parenting was consistent in terms of our relationship. There were the stern no's and some maybes. And I felt my voice was heard some of the time. For me, that's all I needed. She, in my mind, was a safe person. And now, I did understand my mom cooked and she expressed her love through her food choices. I understand, I, I began to understand more about this as an adult than as a child. However, it was all of this, all of the stuff she did. We will struggle as moms and as daughters and laying a secure and safe foundation will support our future relationships. My mom was just good enough when it came to me having food choices. Sometimes this is not the case, even for children residing in the same household. So I encourage you, if you have siblings, to ask them about their experiences. Usually someone will identify the most loved child, the one who was spoiled, the one who got away with things, but also the child who always got into trouble, maybe the defiant one. We all have our personalities, the aspects and qualities about ourselves that sets us apart. It is within our character traits that interact with the personalities of our parents. And sometimes those personalities are in conflict and sometimes they get along. Therefore, siblings report different experiences although they were raised in the same household. For example, suppose you were to ask my brother. He would tell you our mom was the best cook ever. He enjoyed the big plates of meat and potatoes. He loved the pastas, the breads, the desserts. My mom needed to cook a certain way, which made my brother feel loved and connected. On the other hand, my mom's need to cook a certain way made me feel unheard and silenced at times. What are some ideas about building the relationship with mothers and daughters? Spend time together. Think in terms of quality. Engage in activities that you both enjoy, and in particular, the activities your daughter wants to do. As she becomes a teenager, 
your focus may be more on activities she enjoys, keeping that in mind. This may include watching silly TV shows, reading comic books, playing dress up, going shopping, playing in the sand or being creative, listen to different genres of music, learning more about social media, doing TikTok videos together, having a girl's day just for you and her. Remember, you are laying the foundation for future relationships your daughter will have. She needs to know how women are in a shared experience together. A second idea is to start a family tradition, sharing, doing something both you and her can do monthly, annually, or surrounded around a particular celebration. One thing my mom and I used to do was stay up all night for Black Friday. We don't do this anymore, but I recall this was a great bonding moment. We shared conversations and talked about things we normally wouldn't do under other circumstances. Now, my mom and I read the same books. She'll read a book and tell me about it, and I'll read a book and we'll talk and have material about a shared experience. So keep in mind, these traditions may change, so be flexible. There are no rules. Just you and your daughter working through some of this stuff in life together. As kids start to age and go into their teenage years, they're moving towards more independence. Give them space safely and lovingly. Just sit with your teen. I like to suggest this in silence. Give your child the floor. And if they talk or not, just being physically available to them. I tried to make myself accessible to my children, even when I was not happy with their choices. My unhappiness was my stuff, and I still needed to be accessible to them as their parent. There were times I would sit quietly in the living room, no TV, no music, no phone, no electronic devices, and if they wanted to talk, they could. It wasn't mandated. It was just their space to use it in any way that was helpful. In many of these moments, my son and daughter both would come and sit next to me, still on their phones, and for the most part, we didn't say much to each other, but we were together. There is some value in this, so don't dismiss this process so quickly. I will end with one more suggestion. Have fun and laugh with your children. You can dance and be silly with them. This is what I learned from my patients the most. Kids are playful, even as a teenager. Learn how they play and then play with them. Create books and stories together and laugh about it. Go outside and tell spooky stories by the fire. Dance and be open to learning some new dances out there. Be willing to dress up and go to comic shows. Wear all black for a week. Show up to their school in roller skates and a wig. Share funny memes and jokes via text. Some of my best memories of my relationship were as a child going to the beach every week. We would pack everything up for the day. We arrived, 
set things out and had fun all day. My mom would bury me in the sand and encouraged my play. I got to be playful with her and it was fun and we laughed. (laughs) We laughed together. If you were to ask my brother, he also had positive memories of our family beach days. My mom built the foundation of a secure attachment for my brother and me, and she didn't even know she was doing this. The daughter-mother relationship is unique. In America and across the world, women have historically struggled with their issues about being too much, too little, or not enough. As a result, we get ridiculed for doing good and for not doing more. Over the last three weeks, I hope that I have provided different perspectives, ways to challenge your thinking patterns, and and ideas about things you can do practically to work on a secure attachment. My mother is unique, yet I see all this beauty in her she has yet to discover. I have many daughters that have crossed my path. My sons have chosen in their lives those who've allowed me to connect with them therapeutically and to my stepdaughter. She has given me space to participate in parts of her life and I am grateful. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with others. Like below and subscribe to my channel. I will end by saying the keys to happiness are following the path towards knowing oneself. Ancient comedic proverbs.